All right, so we are wrapping up this series, Good Father, this morning, and we're going to look at this incredible passage in Zephaniah chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you're new to the Bible, it's a hard book to find. So look in your table of contents and find it. It's Zephaniah 3. And why, am I, why are we looking at this passage in Zephaniah 3? This is why. It's such an incredible passage. I had many people come to me after the first service and say, that's my life verse. That's my favorite verse of all time. And here's why it's so many people's favorite verse. DK, our worship pastor, he, he texted me last night. He was sitting here with his rooted group, and he was like, man, that is my life verse. That is my favorite verse. Thanks for unpacking it. The reason people love Zephaniah 3 is because it shows that our God is this incredible father. He actually calls his people in Zephaniah 3, he calls them daughter. Daughter Israel and daughter Zion, which are names for the people of God. He loves us so much that he has this relationship with us where he calls us daughter. And the reason we love this passage is because there's something in us that is always fascinated with a father who loves his daughters, who pursues his daughters. Just last Christmas, there was a Facebook post that went viral, and Mike Levy is the one who posted it. He sat on an airplane next to a man named Hal Vaughn, and they're sitting there on the airplane, and Mike Levy engages Hal Vaughn in some small talk. Where are you flying to? What's your plans? Because it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Where are you spending Christmas? Where are you flying? And Hal Vaughn says, well, I'm not really flying anywhere. What do you mean you're not flying anywhere? You're on an airplane. Um, I'm actually just going from this city to this city to this city to this city. And he lists six different cities that he's flying to over Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So Mike Levy's like, why are you flying to six cities on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? I don't, I don't understand it. And, my, and Hal Vaughn explains, well, it's not really where I'm going, but who I want to be with. See, my daughter is a flight attendant on this plane who's scheduled to work Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And it's not about where I'm going. I just want to be with my daughter. And so I saw her schedule and I booked flights on every single flight she was on just to be with her. And so Mike Levy, yeah, uh, Mike Levy, it's, it's, it's touching. It went viral. Mike Levy posted this on Facebook about how blown away he was by Hal Vaughn and his desire to spend time with Pierce. The reason that that story went viral is the same reason we love Zephaniah 3. It's because there's something in you that longs for that kind of relationship. There's something in you that longs for someone to pursue you that way, for someone to love you that way. And you're going to see in this passage that no matter what kind of earthly dad you had or didn't have, that God is a father who pursues you that way. Peggy Drexler, she's a professor at Cornell University, and she's done a lot of research on daughters and on successful women who lead companies and are highly comped executives. And what she found is their relationship with their dad still impacts them to this day. Here's what she wrote. Peggy Drexler wrote this. In my research into the lives of some 75 high-achieving, clearly independent women, I knew that I would find a powerful connection between them and the first men in their lives. That's their dads. Many other studies have confirmed it. What surprised me was how deep the bond is, how powerful it remains throughout their lives. So Peggy Drexler, who coaches these highly successful women executives, says throughout their whole life, 
the relationship they had with their dad still matters. Some of them are trying to make their dad proud. Some of them are trying to prove their dad wrong, but their dad still, still impacts them. And what we're seeing in this study today and the last several weeks is that our father is the perfect father. And, and, and you can have a deep connection with him that is transcendent of whatever kind of connection you had with your earthly father. And so we're going to read these verses, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Here's what you're going to see is actually the whole book of Zephaniah, it only takes three to four minutes to read. The whole book, short book. And if you read Zephaniah, you'll see in the first several chapters of Zephaniah, you'll see God pronouncing judgment on his people for their disobedience of God. But then you get to these verses and you see God calling his people daughter, daughter. And I'm going to emphasize as as you read, you're going to see five phrases that I'm I'm going to emphasize. I'm actually going to pull them out of the text and then I'm going to teach them as we go. Sing for joy, verse 14. Sing for joy, daughter, Zion. Shout loudly, Israel. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart, daughter, Jerusalem. The Lord has removed your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord, is among you. You need no longer fear harm. On that day, so this is a day that's coming in the future. On that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love. He will delight in you with singing. So Zephaniah prophesies that a day is coming And we're going to talk about that day where this is the type of dad our God is. So if you're thinking about having God as your everlasting father, or if you already do, if you're already a son of God, a daughter of God, you want to understand the type of dad that this God is. And this passage makes it clear. So five things. You can look in your bulletin. You'll see these. I'm going to walk through these really quickly. The first is... The verse says, he has removed your punishment. He has removed your punishment. If you're new to the Christian faith and you're new to reading the Bible, Zephaniah and other books in the Bible can be confusing. Because when you read the book of Zephaniah, you you read about this, that a day is coming when you're going to be judged for your sins. And then you also read that a day is coming when you're going to be forgiven. So it's like, okay, God, which one is it? Is a day coming where I'm going to be judged or is a day coming where I'm going to be forgiven? Which is it? The verses say that a day is coming. This is all in the book of Zephaniah where you're going to be punished. Yet we looked at a verse that said a day is coming when your punishment is going to be removed. So how can both days happen at the same time? Well, this verse is prophesying a day that now for us has already happened. And what is the day that there is both judgment and forgiveness, punishment and removal of punishment. It's the day 
the central day of our Christian faith, the day that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins because on that day, he was both punished and our punishment was removed. He was judged for our sins. We weren't judged for our sins. He was judged in our place on the cross on our behalf, and therefore our punishment is removed. He was judged and we were forgiven. He got the wrath, we got the mercy. Our punishment has been removed. And it's so hard for us to really internalize this because this is so different than how we think the world operates. And it really is so different than how the world operates. A couple of months ago, we were driving home. Kay, my wife, and I were in the front seat. And then our daughters were in the back, obviously. And they're fussing. They, they, they were fussing. And one of the daughters in particular was being mean to the other daughter. And I gave the warning. And then I gave the consequence. And the con- I know I'm the only parent who this happens to. But I gave the consequence and said, okay, there's no TV for two days. You're not watch, you're not ha- you can't watch a show. She was, had all these shows she wanted to watch. You can't watch a t- TV show for two days, no TV for two days. We get home, the other daughter, the, the one who in that moment had been innocent and was just absorbing uh, cruelty from the other daughter, she comes to me and with tears in her eyes, she says, Daddy, can I take the consequences from my sister? Oh, I know, it was, it was kind of that. But what do you say in that moment? No, you're not going to take the consequences from your sister. I mean, there's no way, there's no way I'm doing that. You, you're not innocent all the time, but in this case, you are the innocent one, and you're not going to take the consequences that are due your sister. This is sweet, but you're not taking the consequences. But this is what the Scripture says that the Lord our God has done for us. He looked at you, he looked at me and my foolishness and my sinfulness, and he looked at the Holy One of God, the first and only Son of God, Jesus the Christ. And he looked at us and he gave our consequences to Jesus. Your punishment is removed because your punishment has been put on one who deserved no punishment. And Jesus went to the cross willingly laying down his life because he loves you so much and he pursues you and wants you to be a son or daughter of God. He has removed your punishment. Now, the scripture is super repetitive on this. I know some, some have actually, even Christians have said, you know, I, the reason I don't like the Bible sometimes is because I feel like it's repetitive and I read the same thing over and over again. I and mean, there's so many verses that will say, the Lord has forgiven, the Lord is full of mercy and compassion, the Lord has removed your punishment. Why do you think the Bible is repetitive? Do you think that was by accident? The Bible is repetitive, and the Bible keeps saying the same thing over and over again because we need to hear the same thing over and over again. I need to hear this over and over again because I need to be reminded that I am faultless to stand before the throne because I'm dressed in his righteousness alone. I need that because if I forget that, my heart gets hard and I start living for approval instead of living in the approval that God has already given. He's removed your punishment. Martin Luther, the famous reformer and theologian, he said this about needing this over and over again. He wrote, this was in his commentary on Galatians. It's one of my favorite quotes. He said, I must hearken to the gospel, which teaches me not what I ought to do, 
but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me. I love that. Because some of you have wrongly thought the Christian faith is, I'm going to show up at church and preacher's going to give me a whole bunch of things to do. And really the Christian faith isn't a list of things for you to do. It's a reminder of what Christ has done for you. That he suffered and died to deliver me from sin and death. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this gospel well. Teach it to others and beat it into their heads continually. (laughs) Yes. And so let me beat this into your head one more time. Your punishment has been removed. You're his son. You're his daughter. The son of God was punished in your place. There's no more punishment left for you. Your punishment has been removed, number one. Number two, this is the kind of dad our God is. He is with you. The verse says, the king of Israel, the Lord is among you. He is with you. He's with you. There's a new term that Dr. Warren Farrell coined in his book, this latest book called The Boy Crisis. And it's, it's such a sad term. And in this book, he coins the term dad deprivation. He writes this whole book and says, this is what happens to boys, but also to daughters, when they're deprived of a dad. He says there's physical, mental, social, emotional health issues that happen when we live in dad deprivation mode. For example, physical health, he says. And and in the appendix, there's this long list of the pains that people in our society face when they're deprived of a father. Physical health. The more frequently a father visits the hospital of an infant who is born prematurely, the more quickly the infant is released from the hospital. Mental health. Living without a father doubles a child's chance of dropping out of high school. Social health. Dad deprivation predicts the profile of both the bully and the bullied. And here's the profile. Poor self-esteem, poor grades, poor social skills. Emotional health. The amount of time a father spends with a child is one of the strongest predictors of the child's ability to empathize as he gets older. Dad deprivation, Warren Farrell, Dr. Warren Farrell writes, radically impacts the whole trajectory of one's life. And if you're here and you're like, man, I feel like I've been deprived of a dad, here's what you need to understand. We've been saying this throughout the series. No matter your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who's never going to deprive you of himself. He's never going to walk out on you. He's never going to call and miss the birthday but send gifts. He's never going to get overwhelmed with work and stop spending time with you. He's never going to go through a season where he's a workaholic and forgets to lead his family. He's never just going to send a card. He's never going to forget. He's never going to forsake. He's always going to be present. He's always going to be active. You're never going to be deprived of this father. If you're deprived of this father, it's not because he stopped loving you. It's because you've walked away. Because this father is perfect. And if you're here and you're like, but I, I miss, and I get it, I miss I missed an earthly father. Maybe your father passed, or maybe 
He was never present. I want you to see this promise in Psalm 68, verse 5. The scripture says that if you are without a father, earthly father this morning, that God sees, he takes notice of you, and he presses in special close to you. Psalm 68, verse 5, God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. That's the type of dad our God is. He's a father to the fatherless. Yes, this is good news. Before we go on to point three, which is about the father for you, I want to invite you to be a part of what we're doing here at our church to step into the reality of a fatherless generation. God's a father to the fatherless, but often he's a father to the fatherless through us. It's the reason last week I encouraged many of you to pray about serving our kids ministry, our student ministry, because there's families that we want to come alongside here every week and be parental figures and mentors to those kids and those teenagers. But we also want to step into the pain of the fatherlessness outside of our church. And so go ahead and reach into your, to your bulletin and take, take this out. I want you to see what we're doing. And this makes me so proud, so proud to be a part of this church. Because we don't just preach a message that God is a father to the fatherless. Our church seeks to step into the pain, the real pain of this world. And there is real pain on this issue. And so many of you have already been a part of this, but I want to invite you to consider being a part of a child sponsorship program that we have in Haiti. We have had a partnership with Pastor Sam there since the earthquake in Haiti, and we are a part of starting this orphanage and ministering to these kids. And so we're looking for some sponsors to sponsor kids, kids who don't have parents, who are orphans that we can love. And then we're looking for people who are going to foster here and be a parental voice and a parental figure to kids here who don't have parents, who have parents who have left them. And so we're looking for help in our foster and families ministry. And you can read about those. And if you're interested, simply fill this out, drop it in the offering box on your way out. We also, out on the lawn, have two huge tents. Our team there is ready to talk to you and help you step into the pain of fatherlessness that we experience in this generation. All right, let's move on to point number three. The verse says that he rejoices over you with gladness. You know, there are verses that tell you to rejoice in God, but this verse says that God rejoices over you. He rejoices over you. If you go to to the beach this summer, which I encourage you to do, and you're sitting there and you see a kid in in the ocean jumping the waves or tackling the waves, and there's a dad on the shore, you will hear the kid say, hey, dad, watch this. Hey, dad, watch this. If you go to a swim pool that still has a high dive where it's actually still legal to have a high dive, like in Woodbridge, where you can actually still jump off a high dive, you will see a kid on the top of the high dive. Hey, dad, hey, dad, watch this, watch this, and do a a cannonball because the kid so badly wants dad to rejoice. And this verse says that our God rejoices in you. He rejoices. Some of you have thought that God is constantly frustrated with you, that he's mad at you, that when you take a step, he looks at you and says, that step should have been bigger, that when you try to walk with him and you stumble, that he looks at you and says, boy, get up. Some of you have imagined God that way, but parents, think about when your child first started to walk. Do you remember that? 
I remember when Eden, our oldest, we were living in Miami at the time, and we were on our knees. Come on, come on, Eden, come on. And she would take two steps and face plant. And then, you know, if you, if you did that, she would cry. So we learned not to do that. And she would then get up and take two or three more steps and fall. And in that moment, what kind of dad would say over her and scold her and look at her and say, you're not doing it right? No, 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 this foot next, not the same, this foot, no. You don't stand as a dad, if you did as a dad, you've got some serious problems. You don't stand as a dad and scold the kid. You rejoice over the kid. And you rejoice because your child, your daughter, your son is taking steps and you capture it and you post it on Facebook and you text it to your friends because your son or your daughter is taking steps. And some of you this week, because we've been challenging you to read the Scripture, some of you this week read the Bible and you imagined, I wonder if I'd read enough for him to be proud. I wonder if he's happy with me. And some of you read one day and skipped a couple days, and when you went back, you thought, he's going to be mad when I read again. There's going to be some verse where he's going to be spanking me, and he's going to be mad at me. And listen, if that's you, instead of imagining God being frustrated with you, this is what this verse paints the picture, that he's looking at you, and he's saying, that's my daughter. She's making steps towards me. That's my daughter. Some of you are looking to get plugged into a ministry to serve some people outside of you, and you fill out the form here at Mariners, and you, you think maybe uh, it, God's looking at me, and he's saying, why am I not doing more? This feels like so little. This feels so insignificant. And he's looking at you, and he's rejoicing, and he's looking at angels around him in heaven, and he's saying, that's my boy. That's my son. He rejoices over you with gladness. That's what he does. And so listen, you just keep taking steps. C.S. Lewis wrote it this way. If we only have the will to walk, then God is pleased with our stumbles. I know, and this is how my spiritual growth is. It's a lot of stumbling. It's a lot of wrestling. It's a lot of doubting and, and, and skinning my knee. And our dad rejoices over us. You just keep stumbling and walking toward, and he is proud of you and says, that's my son, that's my daughter. All right, number four, he quiets you by his love. This is a really a fascinating verse because our dad, our heavenly father, is often the loud dad. And this verse says he quiets us by his love. What do I mean he's often the loud dad? Well, when you read the Bible, you see him doing loud things a lot of times. You see, for example, when his children, the the Israelites, are stuck in Egyptian slavery, he sends a series of ten plagues. Loud dad. He parts the sea. I mean, it's, it's a loud, boisterous occasion. When he gives the law to Moses, it comes with, with lightning and thunder. When a prophet named Jonah is disobedient, God sends a whale. When some prophets of Baal, which is this make-believe God, 
compete against Elijah, the one prophet of God. God sends fire. I mean, he is a loud dad, and he can crack open a can on anyone at any time. That is who our dad is. He's loud. He's a warrior, it says in this passage, but he's quiet with you. Get this. He's a warrior, and he's the loud dad against your enemies of sin and shame, but with you, he's quiet. This verse says, I mean, look at it. Look in your your Bible. He quiets you in his love. The picture you get when you read this verse is of a son or a daughter in the middle of the night who needs to be comforted and quieted. When our kids will come into our room in the middle of the night because they're sick or they're scared, they had a bad dream, they need comfort, they need to be quieted. And in those moments, it's actually some of my favorite moments as a dad. I don't like when my kids are sick, I don't like when they're scared, but they are the most snuggly in those moments. I mean, that's when they want to be comforted. That's when they want to be held. It would be so hurtful to me and so offensive to me if they stayed in their room because they were afraid to barge in or involve dad in a problem. And your heavenly father is not offended by your struggle. He's only offended when you refuse to bring your struggle to him. He's not offended by your struggle. He already knows all of your struggles. He's offended when you don't come to him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is only one king whose chamber you can barge into in the middle of the night. What king can you go into see in the middle of the night? The king who is your dad. The king who is your dad. He's who you can go see, and he quiets you with his love. I need this verse because it's often at night when worry or doubt or fear, that's when I can't sleep. That's when I replay things. That's when I think things. And this verse says, he will quiet me in his love. He is a good father to us. And then number five, lastly, he delights in you with singing. Do you realize that this verse says that God the Father sings over you? There's lots of verses that tell us to sing and shout, and we do. We gather together here, and we sing to him, and we shout to him, and we celebrate how awesome he is. But this verse also tells us that God the Father sings over us, that he delights in us, that he looks at us, and he's filled with pride for us because not of what we've done for him, but because of the relationship that he's secured with us. He delights in you. And so if you're here and you wonder, okay, how do I become a son or a daughter of God that he delights in me? How does that happen? It's the same way that he's removed your punishment. So I want you to hear this because for some of you today, this is going to be the moment when you become his son or you become his daughter. How does he delight in us? You remember when Jesus walked this earth? When he was baptized, he had lived and always did live perfectly. Jesus lived perfectly as he walked this earth. He never sinned. He never struggled um, with an impure motivation as we do. He never had an impure thought. He lived perfectly, fully righteous. Everything was right. And so when Jesus is baptized, 
There's a voice from heaven, and it's the voice of God the Father. And the voice says, that is my son, and who I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, God the Father said, that's my son. That's my son. I delight in him. I am well pleased with him. I am happy with him. And so how do I become a son or daughter of God? that God the Father delights in with singing and is happy over. Here's how. Not by all the good things you do, but you receive the goodness of Jesus. So just like we sang earlier, you're then dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. When Christ moves into your life, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you say to him, Jesus, I believe in you, I receive you, I want to be your son, I want to be your daughter, he moves in. And when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your struggle, he doesn't see your sin, all he sees is the perfection of Jesus. And so he looks at you and says, that's my boy, that's my daughter, that's my son. I am well pleased because the goodness of Jesus is given to you. So he delights in you. Hal Vaughn just wanted to be with his daughter. So he bought six one-way tickets. And he spent two days over Christmas, spending time with his daughter. Our father paid a much heftier price than six one-way tickets. He sacrificed Jesus the Son on a cross and shed his blood and had his body crucified so that we could be adopted as his sons and daughters. All Pierce had to do to receive the father was to let him on the airplane. And all you need to do to have the father as your everlasting dad is receive him. Is receive him. When you receive Jesus, John chapter 1 says this, to those who receive him, he gives the right to be called children of God. And so to receive him means you believe in him. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe on that cross, my punishment was removed. It was put on you. Jesus, I believe you want me and I want you and I, I receive you into my life. I believe in you. And so we're gonna give you an opportunity, we do this at Mariners, to stand and say, I believe. I'm asking us to be as still as we possibly can in the next couple of moments because it's such a sacred and holy moment. The scripture says this in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be, but will be. You'll receive his forgiveness. You'll become his son. You'll become his daughter. But that verse says you have to do two things. You have to confess with your mouth, which is why we invite people to stand and say, I believe. Because in that moment, you're confessing with your mouth in front of a group of people, I believe. 
The verse says you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll become his son or daughter. And so to do that, as you're seated in a moment, we'll invite you to stand. And when you stand, you're essentially saying, I don't trust myself anymore. I trust Jesus. I don't trust myself for everlasting life and forgiveness. I stand and I believe and I trust him. I trust him. And we believe in that moment that God forgives and he makes you his son and he makes you his daughter. And so in the stillness of this moment, this is what you'll do. You'll stand and you'll say, I believe, I'll acknowledge. And we'll, we'll be so excited that in this moment, God gives you his mercy. He gives you his grace. He removes your punishment and he makes you his son. He makes you his daughter. So I want to invite you, if you're ready to become his for the first time, you're ready to become a Christian. You're ready to receive his forgiveness. You stand and you say, I believe. Awesome, awesome. So good. Awesome. Love it. Awesome, man. So good. So good. Let, let's hold our applause to the end so that I can be sure I want, I want to be able to hear everybody. Yes, ma'am? Awesome. Awesome. I'm letting them break the rules by clapping right now <laughs> just because they're so proud of you. This is so awesome. Awesome, man. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yes, yes, sir. It's great, man. Awesome, awesome. Yes, sir, I see it. Yes, ma'am, awesome. Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Yes, sir. Good. That's great, man. Yes, awesome. Great. People have asked, why do you make such a big deal about this? Because there's no bigger deal than this. There's no bigger deal than this. There's no bigger deal than you becoming his son, his daughter. First John 3, 1. How great the love, the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Anybody else?
good name. Awesome. Awesome. Let's celebrate with those who received his forgiveness. Yeah, awesome. The next moment's going to be really special. We're going to get to worship together. You're going to want to be here for this moment. We're going to have our shepherding elders stand down front. And our shepherding elders are people who pray for us in the elder prayer room. They're people who dedicate our children on the stage. They, they shepherd us, and they want to shepherd you. They want to love you in this such important moment. So if you said, I believe, when we stand and sing, we're going to have our elders here and their spouses, and they want to pray with you and help you mark this such important moment. So as we sing, if you said, I believe, or if you have questions still, you simply come forward They're going to pray with you. They have a gift, a Bible to give you to help you get started on this new journey. Let's stand and let's sing. Shepherding elders will be here. If you said, I believe, you come receive prayer. We want to walk with you in this moment. It's your breath in our love.
Such amazing moments, such amazing moments this morning. If you're here and you have questions or you said, I believe, and you didn't come forward, our shepherd and elders will, will stay here for a couple moments. You can come talk to them after. They would love to walk with you in, in this, this sacred moment. If you're here and there's something going on in your life that we can pray with you about, we have a team of people over here by these lights that would love to pray with you. If your need is prayer for healing, we have an elder prayer room. Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. To get to that elder prayer room, you can go through the doors in the back and take a right. And I want to invite you to pray this week as we have Vacation Bible School, VBS. We're going to have about 2,000 people here tomorrow, both kids and, and adult leaders. It's going to be incredible. Um, no, actually, no, 3,000. 2,000 kids and 1,000 adult leaders. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome. So please be praying that as we get to shepherd those kids and, and love those kids well. It's going to be an amazing time. If you're here and you signed up to get baptized, we're excited to join in that with you. So as you walk out in the patio and you, you see people getting baptized, clap for them and cheer for them. If you're here and you are like, I'm ready to get baptized, I've received his forgiveness and I haven't yet been baptized, here's why we do baptism. When you go under the water, that water doesn't cleanse you of your sins. Only Jesus does that. But that going under the water shows my old life is dead and Jesus has made me brand new. My old life is dead, and Jesus has given me a new life. And so if you have not yet been baptized and you've received his forgiveness, maybe even today for the first time you became a Christian, you said, I believe. And you're like, I would love to get baptized. I just don't have any clothes. We've got some extra clothes for you. We have a table. Last night we had like 50 people just spontaneously. He became Christmas last night, get baptized. It was crazy. And so we have a table right here. It was awesome, crazy. I meant it in a good way. We have a table uh, out there that says baptism. If you want to get baptized, we would love to be with you in that journey. As we wrap up today and this series, would you extend your hands and receive God's blessing? Father, these are your sons and daughters, and you have promised in your word that you rejoice over them with singing, that you delight in them with gladness, you quiet them in your love, and you have removed their punishment. This new week, would you remind your sons and daughters that they belong to you? Would you walk with them closely this new week, Father? And meet them right where they need you the most. For those who need your comfort, I pray you would quiet them in your love. For those who need to be reminded of your rejoicing, would you stir their heart this week and remind them that you are proud of them and you rejoice over them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.